Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls featuring your hosts, Evelina Shreve and Joanna Thurman Baker. Hello. So right now for us, it's a Saturday night and we were going to go out, but instead we're so dedicated to this podcast (laughs) that we're recording at like, what, seven o'clock at night. Mm. So you can't say that we're not dedicated. Is it dedication though, or is it just that we don't actually want to go out? <laughs> so we find excuses. <laughs> it's like self-sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> that you just don't actually want to do it. Yeah, because I didn't really want to go out this no. weekend. Yeah, but we never. <laughs> I like how you say this weekend, like yeah. it's not just a every weekend running thing. Yeah. Yeah, we might go out once this year, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. If you do see us out, just know it's a really special occasion. Yeah. Evie, give us the lowdown on what your layman sound is this week. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet this Not week. Not like you. <laughs> <laughs> Not short and sweet. What would I be? Uh, Long and sour. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, uh, tall and trim. Oh, isn't that a bit contradictory? <laughs> anyway, um, my sound would be that I'm actually really glad that now the evenings are lighter. Oh, so nice, isn't it? Yeah. It makes such a difference, I find, for like your mental well-being. Well, yeah. at least for me anyway. I'm not really vibing with how cold it is in March. No. But that being said, I have seen some daffodils out. Have you? Yeah. No, I haven't. That's like a little sparkle of yellow oh, spring. Very poetic. <laughs> I, I, spring makes you feel poetic, doesn't it? No. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't for me. It's just a me thing. No, I'm just really liking the lighter evenings. It's It's making me feel as though summer is on its way. Yeah. giving me that positivity I'd say that my lame is that I just feel really run down this week I don't know if it's just the time of year <laughs> now I know you guys can't see her but currently <laughs> Evie is in a turtleneck with a blanket wrapped around her shoulders and then a fluffy bobble hat with her headphones, headphones. over the top and it's quite There's a lot of image. colours going on as well <laughs> it's like a black turtleneck <laughs> Um, a beige blanket and a bright baby blue bobble hat. There's a lot going on. I just, I don't feel very well. I feel like I'm coming down with something, but I'm never actually coming down with it. You yeah. know, when you have like a bit of a sore throat and you feel a bit achy yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm going to be ill tomorrow. But then when I'm waking up, I'm not ill. I'm just still throaty and achy. And it doesn't feel like COVID, does it? No, well, I don't think so. No. I don't see how I'd get COVID. I don't go anywhere. There is that. Although I got COVID last year, didn't I, in the spring? I didn't go anywhere either. Yeah, and I got COVID. No, in in the summer. I got COVID in November. (laughs) I don't know how I picked it up there. No. But no, I'm feeling a bit run down and it's sort of the run down where like however much sleep I get, however much food I eat, I just feel like the same. But I don't know if it's just that time of year because also it's getting really cold again and I don't think my body is prepared for that. No, I feel like this is the last push of like winter going out and it's like everyone's, it's it's the last like leg, isn't it? Yeah, but my body's like it's spring. Yeah. She's not ready for another, (laughs) I don't think I'm going to make it. She's not ready. Like at night, I said to you, I'm sleeping in like trackies, a fleece, a fleece hoodie with the hood up, fluffy socks, a duvet and two blankets and a dog. And you're cold. And I'm still cold. And you still have to have your warm shower to warm you up. Yeah. 
Christ, I think she's got something wrong with her. I, I do, and I, I'm worried that I'm not going to make it through March. So <laughs> you might have to start doing this podcast on your own. Okay. <laughs> so well, at least show. if you're gone, I can use your blanket. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> So, Joanna, what's your lame and sound been this week? Um, I feel like I've had quite a good week, actually. I'm not sure I've got a lame. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, we went for our first gallop of the year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was so much fun. So, even though Evie and I are dressage riders, I would say we do kind of verge to more the wild side of dressage, if there is one, in that we still take our horses galloping, we jump them, we just, yeah. you know, we, we kind of treat our horses like pony club ponies basically yeah they do everything they do within reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not going to do the gym just yet but that being said because they are dressage horses and like any type of sport horse you still want to like look after their legs and make sure you're not doing something that's going to create an injury been waiting for the ground to be right oh it's taken so long yeah, I think the last gallop we went on was probably, what, like September last year? Yeah, probably. Which is just like painful, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, we went for a gallop and it was so much fun. And because where we live, we live in the Chiltern Hills. So we've got a lot of hill work around us, which is great for said dressage horses because you can let them go at the bottom of the hill and you know by the top they're going to be <laughs> knackered. So I really enjoyed that. That was such a good endorphin rush. Yeah, the horses loved it as well. Yeah, we took Terry and Sirocco, the fanciest horses in the valley. <laughs> like Sirocco, like he just prancing along, isn't he? Like, ooh, look at me, look at me, and then just like gallops. Terry and literally felt like he was bolting. I know. All I could hear from behind me was every like cackling with laughter. I was like, if I wasn't finding this funny, he'd definitely be bolting right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because I'm enjoying it, it's a gallop. It's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, so that's been really fun. Yeah. And then also recently, as in last night, I saw the baby moving inside our brood mare. And I saw that this morning. Yes. That's such like a, oh my God, because our brood mare, she doesn't live with us. She like lives with her friends. But she came back, she had a little pamper. While we were brushing her, we saw the baby kit. You, you literally just go like, oh my God, that's like real. There's like, it is wild. There's a baby in there. It's quite a big like kick as well. Yeah, it was really quite big. Yeah. Uh, so the baby is due 20th of April, so yeah. not that long away. <laughs> yeah. So it was exciting. nice to have her back and see her. Actually. Yeah, it kind of makes it feel more real as well. Yeah, and I think she liked coming back and having a little... Pamper. <laughs> Joanna like butchered no. her forelock though. <laughs> <She looked laughs> Mind you, Joanna literally just cut the like forelock straight across. So then she looks like... I didn't like... mean to. I tried to make it look good. She looks like she's got a bowl cut. She looks like Claudia Winkleman. Yeah. <laughs> Claudia Winkleman or, you know, like Stranger Things when they've got like a bowl yeah. cut. That's what... I literally like. did it and then I was like... <gasps> <laughs> no, I was like, I take it back, take it back, take it back. But I walked past and I was like, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like an idiot. No, it's all right. She's still beautiful. She's still smiling. Yeah. She doesn't know what she looks she, like. She loved it. <laughs> but she's fine. She's still the prettiest man. Yeah. She's the uh, only male on the arm. She's the, she's the <laughs> So yeah, she's the prettiest man. <laughs> but I also went and rode one of her offspring. Oh yeah. Uh, who is another one of my horses, so I haven't mentioned. He's called Ike, which is short for Iniesta. So we didn't breed him, but we've had him since he was a foal. And he will be five, but not till August. So he's quite a late foal. So in terms of like horses age, they are deemed five from the 1st of January regardless of when their actual birthday is so Ike's actual birthday is in August so for me he's still four yeah you know he's not 
five for like another what like six months i do find it funny how that's like a thing how people are like oh yeah first of january and i guess it's because people don't tend to remember their horse's yeah. birthdays but when you think of it like that that actually he's not five until august that's a huge it's a difference huge diff- to start yeah. treating him like he's five in january when actually he's not five until august he's I think. four and a half yeah that's pretty wild yeah so anyway uh he has been off at boot camp with Austin O'Connor. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out, Austin. I'm sure he's a warm girl. <laughs> Austin is an amazing rider. He is an Olympic Irish event rider. And luckily for us, he lives pretty close and we've known him for years. So he quite happily takes on our young horses for us. So I've ridden Ike a couple of times because he's been backed for about a year. Mm. For me, I have a lot of nerve and I'm quite frightened of riding, especially young horses. So to get on like a very big, powerful young sport horse yeah is quite nerve-wracking for me but yesterday I went and I rode Ike out with Austin Austin was on a nice little event horse and I was on my little fancy dressage horse (laughs) and um, we went trotting around the Ridgeway and I really enjoyed it and I was really proud of myself as well that I did it so yeah that was really nice and that leads us nicely onto our first dilemma Dilemma 1. Hey guys, I came off a riding school pony last year and ended up breaking my collarbone. I then decided to take a long-term break from riding. The fall has really knocked my confidence, much more than I thought it ever would. My dilemma comes as I think about starting up riding lessons again. I don't really know how to approach it. I'm struggling with thoughts of worry, fear and judgment. I'd love to hear if you guys have ever felt the same or if you have any advice that has worked for you. Thanks. I really like this dilemma because this spoke to me on a very personal level. Yeah, I was about to be like, Joanna, take the floor. (laughs) Welcome to my TED talk. Okay. So I have definitely experienced this. So I just want this person to know that you're not alone in this at all. And whether that be that you're an amateur rider, you know, riding in a riding school, or if you're a professional rider, it happens to everyone. Confidence knocks do happen. Yeah. And I think even if it hasn't happened for people themselves, they 100% know people that have had confidence yes. knocks too. It's such a common thing. It really is. Just as like a little bit of a backstory on my loss of nerve. Uh, so in 2019, I fell off a horse, took an unplanned dismount <laughs> and I effectively broke my back. So I had, I actually have the name of it here and I'm really sorry to anyone in any kind of medical profession I'm about to butcher this pronunciation so I did an isthmic splondylosiosis it's really nice when they name them things that you can easily remember yeah I think they call them an isthmic spondy that's still not easy to remember I don't even I mean to me those aren't words no (laughs) they just aren't words but anyway so effectively I broke the bit in between the vertebrae and then I had a grade four slip inwards on the last last vertebrae of my spine right above my coccyx so I effectively felt like I was bending over backwards and it just made me feel like sick all the time because it was like opposite my stomach as well basically not a good time I did not enjoy that time But I came off a four-year-old that I was riding and I was on the lunge. The horse had been backed, the horse had been fine. And I just literally just got flung off and it came out of nowhere either. It wasn't like, you know, the horse did anything naughty. It literally just exploded and I just came straight off. I did ride after that, but not that same horse. So for me, my fear was very much linked to this one horse. It turned out this horse had kissing spine. 
which is why he had me off. So there was a reason behind it, but that still didn't stop the fact that I didn't want to get back on him. And it kind of, it was good and bad in that because he had kissing spine, he needed to have kissing spine surgery. For anyone non-horsey or anyone who doesn't know what kissing spine is, that is where on a horse the vertebrae in their back are touching which causes him a lot of pain, which is why he reacted in that way. I didn't ride him for a whole year. So I came off in the summer and though I had ridden others, I'd also say I started riding too early in that my back still really hurt. So I'd be riding them and, you know, if they so much as tripped or looked the wrong way, I'd instantly tense my body up because it really hurt my back, which didn't help my nerve at all because I was then constantly on alert, like waiting for them to do anything minor that would send me into serious pain. Well, yeah, and then you'd begin to sort of associate riding with like a pain response. Yeah. So my whole brain was just completely scrambled. It really was. So anyway, flash forward a year, for the most part, my back was so much better. You know, I was back riding like comfortably and I wasn't in pain, but I still had the memory of the pain. And it came around to the point where I needed to get back on this horse. And he'd been ridden by other people before and he'd been fine with them. So I was thinking like, right, okay, you know, I can do this. But I would say I very much dealt with it alone. I tried to force myself into doing it and I did do it, but I cannot say it was fun. Mm. It was really, really mentally taxing. You know, I'd go to bed frightened of waking up and having to ride that horse and I'd wake up frightened of the day of, you know, I need to ride that horse, which is just not a nice place to be whatsoever. And I spoke very candidly about it online and on social media and stuff on a blog that I wrote. And I very luckily had a lovely hypnotherapist contact me and say that she wanted to help me. And to begin with, I was like, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. You know, like the common response to yeah. anyone offering you any kind of therapy but eventually I kind of was like all right I'll let her in which I did and I really really enjoyed the hypnotherapy sessions that I had she's called Jackie McCormick and she is a very lovely lady she's also a rider herself uh, which I found so helpful in the past I've had sports psychology but that's actually been with people that aren't riders themselves and it's very hard to like connect the two together I found but with her I found that because she was horsey I could kind of connect the two together and just talking about the problem and feeling like she took a little bit of my stress away helped me so much helped me indefinitely I would still say that it was still difficult to ride this horse because I very much associated him with a lot of pain a lot of trauma but I think for this person, for this dilemma, I think what you need to think is that just because it happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen twice. Mm. And everyone does have bad falls. Everyone has a freak accident. Because I have hurt myself just as badly walking down the garden path when I tripped over a dog and landed on my head as I have falling off a horse. But I'm not frightened of walking down the garden steps. No, It's so much like mind over matter as well. For this dilemma, you know, for this person, if in the past she felt a lot more confident in riding and, you know, she said she was having lessons at riding schools, you kind of want to expand your comfort zone back to what it used to be, which does just take time and patience, mm. which, you know, obviously isn't a great answer. I wish there was like a magic fix. Yeah. 
But ultimately as well, if you have a part of you that wants to get back on a horse and wants to do it again, then you will get through it because you've already got that drive within you to get on and do it. What is your view on that as, you know, with your psychology degree and everything? I'd probably, first of all, just say that the current mindset that you're in is perfectly normal, if not understandable. Your brain is telling you to be scared because it's had a trauma. So it's trying to protect you. So I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. In saying that, I think this this is very common with horse riders in particular. When you have an injury where you can't get back on, so this person says she's broken a collarbone, you then have to have a break to recover. And for me, having a break is actually really not good for your psychology because you've fallen off. You've now got a negative thought of, I don't want to get back on because I'm nervous I'll hurt myself again. And because you've then had a break to recover, you haven't done anything to challenge that negative thought. Yeah. If that makes sense. So if anything, when when these thoughts go unchallenged, they then actually build up. Yes. You know, they become more inflated, more distorted and harder to get rid of. So my advice to this person is you just really need to get back in the saddle as soon as yeah. possible. So for me, I think book that riding lesson put the date in the diary and stick to it. In saying that, don't push yourself so much that, you know, you become overwhelmed. Maybe just book the riding lesson, turn up. And even if you just get back on the horse and walk around the arena once, that's a huge positive step forward. You know, maybe don't expect to go there and ride, you know, like you used to pre-fall because that's probably not going to happen if you're really nervous. But for me, I would definitely book that riding lesson and get back in the saddle as soon as possible because I think the longer you wait, the more your brain is going to build on that negative thought of fear. Yeah, it's like it manifests itself. Yeah, it does. It spirals. Yeah, and you know, an example of that is obviously I have done a lot in my ridden career because I am a professional rider and I can remember practically only like two years ago, I'd be standing on the mountain block ready to get on a horse and I'd be crying my eyes out because I didn't want to get on. Mm. which is ridiculous because you know I've done so much in my past you know that's that's me a Grand Prix rider standing on a mountain block crying because I don't want to go on a horse all of that was purely in my head it was that I didn't believe in myself I didn't think I could do it I thought I'd fall off and I thought I'd hurt myself because as well I didn't have any self-confidence within myself that you know if said horse would do anything that I didn't think I'd be able to deal with it yeah well fear makes you feel weak as well doesn't it it does yeah And it's something that I wish a lot of riders would be a little bit more open about because there are so many riders that I think fuel the negativity in it and that they're like, oh, just get back on. You're fine. You know, like, oh, you know, I'd gallop that and I'd jump on that, blah, blah, blah. And I think their macho-ness is almost like a facade yeah. to the fact that, yes, everyone is frightened because it's it's a base like n- human instinct to be frightened of something that has previously hurt you. Yeah, that's and, what I mean. It's It stems from like evolution of, of learning yeah. from your past experience <laughs> to then protect you in the future. So yeah. it's perfectly normal. Yeah, but if it's something that you love to do and that you're good at or it's your profession, then you do need to overcome that. And that is difficult. But also I'd say I learned a lot about myself as a person through going through that experience. But yeah, I definitely think the real problem is when you have a huge break from it yeah. because those thoughts do manifest. So I definitely think get back in the saddle as soon as possible. But just to reiterate what I said before, that doesn't mean, you know, go on a horse and ride a full 45 minute session, yeah. you know, take it very steadily and slowly because in the same breath you don't want to push yourself too much 
beyond your limits. So I would almost think, oh, okay, I'll book this riding lesson. Even if I just get on, yeah. I'll be happy. And I think as well, if you just explain it to the you, your instructor or oh, whoever you is with you. You have to have full transparency if it comes to nerves because people aren't just going to assume that you're nervous. Yeah. And also, I mean, in the dilemma, she said that she's worried about fear and judgment. I, I really wouldn't worry about that because I personally don't know anyone within the industry that would have negative feeling towards that. And I'm sure if you go to the riding school and you say, you know, I've recently had a fall and I'm really nervous and actually asked to have a lesson on something that's super bomb-proof and super yeah. lazy and, you know, a dobbin, then I'm I'm sure they would. Yeah. But yeah, good luck with it. And you will be fine because I'm fine. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, and don't beat yourself up about it. It might take a long time, but that you've just got to learn to manage. But either way, as long as you can get back into the saddle and start enjoying it again, that's the most important thing. Oh, that got deep. That really did get deep. Yeah, I think we made some good points though. I hope so. I hope so. I hope you're okay. Yeah. On to Dilemma 2, which is a little bit more upbeat. Okay, so. Hey guys, as a follow-up on your non-horsey boyfriend dilemma, should I be looking for a boyfriend in the equestrian industry instead? I'm now concerned. I don't want any type 3s. Just a re- a lot of laughing emojis. Just to recap, type 3 is which one again? If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to episode 2, <laughs> pause now and go back to listen to episode 2. Also, what are you doing not listening in chronological order? <laughs> Goodness, that really is wildly <laughs> stressing. So a type 3 is the type of non-horsey boyfriend who would tell you to sell your horse, which is not what we want. No. It's not what we want. So this person's question is, should I be looking for a boyfriend in the equestrian industry? Now, <laughs> boys within the equestrian industry, hard to find, Yeah, I would say. So, what's your take on this? I've never, like, dated a horsey person, so I don't feel like I'm really Okay, but would you want to date someone in the equestrian industry? I don't know. I don't really see it as being, like, discipline-specific. Like, I don't meet... I don't tend to, like, narrow down my options to, oh, okay, I'm going to start trying to date a horsey person then. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll just take whatever comes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be fussy when you're ugly. <laughs> you're not ugly. Don't be ridiculous. We just don't go out often. Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah, I do get what you mean. I do get what you mean. I don't think you should ever narrow the playing field. In the past, I have dated horsey guys and I've dated non-horsey guys. I would say I've enjoyed both. Oh, lovely. <laughs> not in that way, for goodness sake. I have had good relationships with both. So I don't think you need to like narrow it down specifically. However, there are a couple points that I would make on what an equestrian, like having an equestrian boyfriend is like. So for me, I found that I had a lot more in common with them in the sense that we do the same thing and that they already understand the lifestyle that comes with it. I would say though, that's no different to like when lawyers date lawyers or doctors date doctors you know if you're in the same profession you already have very similar traits to that person well it gives that common ground doesn't it yeah exactly so you know at the end of the day you know you're not having to explain what the difference between a snaffle and a double bridle is to someone you just already know and the other benefit of that is that they have different knowledge to you so again you can kind of bounce off each other i would say as well that they do have a similar mindset 
to us. You know, they're not going to complain if you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go and feed your horse or if you're never free because you're doing X, Y, Z. They're very understanding, which in that respect does get rid of a lot of potential difficulties that you would come across within a relationship because like if I've dated a non-horsey guy they've been like why can't you come out to Sunday lunch yeah whereas with an equestrian guy they've been like oh yeah of course like good luck for your test at a certain time I'll be looking it up on the keep app you know <laughs> but then in saying that I feel like obviously not equestrian specific but other potential partners have other things in their lives that would take up just as much time yes exactly so like you could date just someone else that's an athlete, say like a rower or... Yes, and they would have a similar mindset. They would understand the commitment required. Yeah. My mum's always like, you need to... Date a rower. You need to meet like a sportsman or something. They are tall. Yeah. We'll have to go to Henley Regatta this year, won't we? Oh. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> but the con to that is that they equally have as little free time as you do. I would also say, because there aren't very many of them, that being equestrian boys, is that they have the pick of the bunch in terms of girls. Yeah, they do. And they know it. And they and they bloody know it. And it's ridiculous. You could literally have a guy walk on with like three eyes and girls would be like, oh my God, he's sick, look at him. <laughs> I really like him. Because it's like seeing a mirage. It's like seeing water in the Sahara <laughs> Desert. <laughs> I would also say, I have, you know, been with the question guys that have told me to sell my horse. <laughs> so in terms of that, I'm not really sure that, maybe, maybe they're in a question type three, which is potentially the worst time. Yeah. Yeah, I would just say, don't focus on one particular type of person. If a horsey guy comes along, go with it. If a non-horsey guy comes along, go with it. Or don't go with it and just stay single like us. <laughs> Have more fun. <laughs> so we like to do a bit on current affairs of things that are going on in the wider world, but we just looked at each other and realised that we didn't know anything that was going on in the <laughs> wider world, which I feel like is a problem. It's terrible. Within this industry is that you just don't look outside. No. <laughs> you're outside all day, but you're not looking outside. You're not seeing. No. You see a lot, but you're not seeing. Yeah. My like current affairs and news is like what's going on in the Horse and Hound magazine, mm. not what's going on in like, you know, the, the White political House. state of the world. Yeah. I like to live in blissful ignorance because it does keep me <laughs> I don't think that's okay though. I know it's not okay, <laughs> but I I find news like, you know, like watching the news or reading news, I find it so depressing. And I just don't want to see it. But you don't like films that have like sad, sad endings. I just All right, Mrs. I got physically ill after watching A Star Is Born. I didn't realise that it was a. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a rom com. You were literally ill the next day. Spoiler alert! It's not a rom com. It's it's intense. Yeah, I was ill. I cried so much oh my God. during it that I was ill because my immune system <laughs> went completely that is down. So funny. I know because I'm not really. You wouldn't expect that no, from me. No, I wouldn't expect you to get that emotional about it. It really gets me. Mm-hmm. 
What? You go. You were just speaking. Yeah, no, but you say it. Why? <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like I always say it. Thank you so much for listening to this no, episode. No, yeah, but you've got to not be monotone. It's been such a good fun oh, for episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. I just can't believe that we've managed to get to episode six. That's amazing. I'm really enjoying this process. Are you? Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something enthusiastic. I absolutely love it. Also, it's a two-girl band. We do everything. We're, we're on all fronts. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough out there. But, you know, we are learning on the job and we're also learning what you guys like and don't like. So any feedback, so greatly received. <laughs> but anyway, love hey. you guys. Bye. Bye.